Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of our triune God, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Authority. We're not always fans of that word, especially if it's connected to the word absolute. We have an innate suspicion of those who either have absolute authority or try to get absolute authority for themselves. We have a popular, well-known saying that talks about this idea that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Just think for a minute of some of the popular books and movies that are out there that have a villain who is seeking to have absolute authority over someone else. Thanos from the Marvel Universe or The Emperor or Lex Luthor are examples. But then think about the other hand. Think about how we hold up and idolize those who have challenged absolute authority by their actions. We still, in our country, talk about John Hancock, who wrote his signature very large on the Declaration of Independence as a challenge to the absolute authority of King George. Or we think about Nathan Hale, who also, during the Revolutionary War, had those famous last words, my only regret is that I have but one life to give for my country. Or we even still talk about 2,000, more than 2,000 years after their deaths, King Leonidas and his brave 300 Spartans who challenged the authority of the emperor of Persia, Xerxes, who gave up their lives to challenge someone who they viewed as having absolute authority. We don't like the idea of being told what to do especially if we feel that we have absolutely no say whatsoever in what we're being told to do. We have a natural tendency to oppose despotic authority. We value our freedom, and we want to be able to make our own choices. Now, unfortunately, this attitude often translates over into our spiritual life. Our old sinful nature does not like what to, being told what to do. Our old sinful nature chafes under what it sees as the oppressive burden of God's law and authority. As Christians, we know that we are constantly engaged in a spiritual battle. On the one hand, we have that old nature that rebels and resists God's authority And on the other hand, we have our new spiritual life that was born through the waters of baptism that knows that God's law is for our own good, that wants to seek to obey the the will of our Heavenly Father. These two natures are constantly at war within us. And we also have to deal with our enemy, Satan who is constantly striving and seeking to rebel against God's law, to give in to the desires of our sinful natures, to resist God's authority so that he can drag us with him into the eternal fire that has been prepared for him. Now our gospel lesson this morning shows us an example of the absolute authority of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But unlike all or most human examples that end up abusing that absolute authority, Christ uses his absolute authority only 
for our good. Christ used his authority to destroy the power of the devil and free us from all of our sins. Now, the authority that Jesus Christ has is the same authority that God the Father has. The Bible tells us that God created the universe, that everything that is exists because of his authority and his will, and therefore everything in creation is subject to God's authority. Now, we also know from Scripture that at some point after the creation of the world, after God had looked at everything he had made and said everything is good, Satan and some of the other angels decided to challenge God's authority. They rebelled. They fought against God. Now, Satan had absolutely no chance in succeeding and was cast out of heaven. But ever since then, he has been filled with anger and with rage. His goal has been to destroy the perfection of God's creation, and that's exactly what he did. Satan went to the Garden of Eden. He tempted Adam and Eve. He got them to sin. He got them to rebel against God's authority when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And ever since that time, all of the descendants of Adam and Eve, all of humanity, has been under the curse of sin. And because of that sin, we are born in a state of spiritual death. By nature, we are born as enemies to God. We are hostile to his will and opposed to his authority. We view God as our enemy and our sinful natures chafe underneath his absolute authority. So often, when we hear God's commands for our life, our sinful nature is just like that illustration I used in the children's sermon of the young child reaching out its hand to touch a stove even though a parent has told them not to. You think about how easy sinning comes to us, how often we sometimes are told to do something and our instant inclination is to do the exact opposite because that is sin that is at work within us. But God, God demands absolute obedience to his will. And our sinful natures hate this. Our sinful natures chafe under this. Our sinful natures want to rebel against God's will. We don't want to be told what to do. We think that we know better than God does. We want to be a law for ourselves. We want to challenge his authority and determine for ourselves what is right and what is wrong. We want to do the things that make us feel good. And we certainly don't think it's fair that we should be condemned for our sins because after all, they're really quite insignificant Our sin shouldn't deserve eternal punishment. It certainly isn't right, we say to ourselves, for God to tell us not to do the things that we want to do, the things that we think would make us happy. We rebel against God's law. We don't think it's right that God tells us not to despise his word. We don't think it's right that God tells us not to lust after others. We don't think it's right that God tells us that we should use our gifts and times and talents and abilities to serve others instead of serving ourselves. 
We don't think it's right that God should be able to tell us to do anything. We want to determine what we should do on our own. This, dear friends, is sinful rebellion. This is putting our wants and desires before what God's will for our lives is. This is breaking the first commandment. Because this is saying what we want is more important to us in that moment that we fall into sin than what God tells us to do in our lives. How foolish, dear friends. How foolish to think that we can challenge our Creator. How foolish to think that we in any way are equal to the power and authority of God. This is the same foolishness that we see displayed in that demon-possessed man in our gospel lesson this morning. It seems the height of foolishness and self-destructive behavior for that demon to go in and challenge the Son of God. Did that demon think he could actually face Jesus in a face-to-face confrontation? Did Satan think that he really could undermine the ministry of Christ by proclaiming that this is the Holy One of God? This seems like self-destructive behavior. And yet, isn't that exactly what all sin is? Sin is foolish and self-destructive behavior. We often think in the moment that when we're sinning, this is somehow going to make us happy because we're getting something that we want. And yet, on the other hand, we also know that sin has consequences. We know how sin can break and damage our relationships with others. We know how sin can harm our own bodies. We know the eternal consequences of living in sin And yet so often we fall into those sins again and again. We give in in that moment. We rebel against God. And this is exactly what Satan wants. Satan wants to convince us that sinning will make us happy. Satan wants to lead us away from God. This is the entire goal of our ancient enemy. He wants to destroy our faith. He's filled with anger and rage and bitterness towards God and he wants to lash out and lead as many of God's people as possible away from the faith into that fiery damnation that has been prepared for him. On our own, dear friends, we would not be able to challenge the power of Satan. But we don't need to fight against Satan because Christ has already defeated him. Scripture tells us that this is why the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. This is the authority of Christ that we see on display in our lesson this morning. Now what's interesting is that Mark does not tell us exactly what Jesus was preaching in that synagogue so long ago. But we can assume that it's similar to the message Mark records a few verses earlier when he writes, The time is fulfilled, he said, The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus was able to proclaim the message of the gospel with absolute authority because unlike all other humans who preach on the word of God, Jesus himself was the word of God incarnate. As the apostle John writes for us in his gospel, Jesus was the word of God made flesh. Jesus was now proclaiming that the time of fulfillment had come. 
that all the promises that God had made to his people were about to be fulfilled in Christ. As true God, Jesus had absolute power and authority. And Jesus could have used that power and authority to rule over this world. He could have subjected any ruler or nation to his will because as we see, not even demons could stand up to his power. And yet that's not what our Savior did. Instead of using his power and authority to be served, Christ came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came and clothed himself with humility. He lived as a servant, preaching and teaching the message to God's people. He placed himself under God's holy law so that he could fulfill that law in our place. We see him doing that in our gospel lesson this morning. Just think, Jesus was God's word incarnate. Jesus had no need to go to the synagogue to pray or to hear God's word, but instead he knew God's will was that we regularly go and study and learn and grow with one another in the word. And so that is what Jesus did to fulfill God's law. He went to where the sinners were. He went to proclaim the message of the gospel. He went to proclaim it with authority. And he was able to do that because his will was perfectly aligned with the will of the Father. When he was confronted by that demon-possessed man, he demonstrated his authority by driving that demon from that man, showing his divine power. Yes, Jesus had absolute power and authority. And what did he do with that power? We know that he allowed himself to be arrested, to be humiliated, to be tortured, and to be nailed on a cross for us. Think of the taunts he endured on that Good Friday. How the Jewish leaders said, if you really are the Son of God, get down from that cross and save yourselves. Jesus could have done exactly that. And yet he chose to remain on the cross. He was obedient to the will of the Father so that he could save us. He remained on that cross so that he could suffer and die on the cross for our sins, so that he could offer his perfect life as a sacrifice to make complete payment for our sins. By his obedience to the Father's will, our relationship with the Father has been restored. Christ suffered the torments of hell in our place, and he paid for our sins with his life. We receive the benefits of his death and resurrection through faith. We have been washed in the waters of baptism, and because of that, we daily struggle to drown that old sinful nature that is in us and live in obedience to the will of the Father. We repent of our sins and believe the message of the gospel. We come and receive the forgiveness of sins as we eat and drink of the body of blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We no longer fear the power of the devil because we know that our Savior has crushed the head of that old serpent. We no longer fear the sting of death because we know that by his resurrection, Christ has destroyed the power of death for us. 
Dear friends, all of our sin and rebellion has been washed away by the blood of Christ. By Christ's obedience to the will of the Father, we have again been made God's dearly beloved children. And as children of God, we too want to be obedient to the will of the Father. We don't view the commands of our God as burdensome because we know that they are for our own good. We don't We are amazed again and again by the message of the gospel, that message that is proclaimed to us with authority. We are amazed because we know the depth of our sin. And we are amazed that our God comes to us, forgiving us again and again as we see the height and the width and the depth of our Lord's love that he has for us. As his people, We seek to proclaim his word with truth and purity. We seek to proclaim the message of the gospel to others. We proclaim the entire message of our Lord because we know that we do not have the authority to change a single word of it. As his people, we have been given this authority to proclaim the message to others, to come and gather together as a congregation, to love and support one another, to encourage one another on towards love and good needs. Because we are God's children, we seek to do the things that God asks of us. We give of our time and talents and treasures to the Lord, returning to him what he has so graciously given to us. We serve one another in love. And we work, doing the best that we can with the things that we have been given because we know that in everything we do, we are serving our Lord. Dear friends, we do not despise the absolute authority of Christ because we know that our Savior is using that authority for our good. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus gives us a promise about his absolute authority. Our Savior says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and gather disciples from all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and by teaching them to keep all the instructions I have given you. And surely I am with you always until the end of the age. Our Savior has promised that he will be with you, with us. Our Savior has promised that he will use his authority to work out all things for the good of his church. And our Savior has promised that on the last day he will return with all of his absolute authority and power and majesty. He will come to judge the living and the dead, and he will take us, his people, to be with him in his eternal home. Amen.